Hey everyone. Um, first of all, um, I just wanted, I was thinking about the fact that um, this is a not an easy um, journey. I don't think any of, any of this journey is easy actually. I mean, being aware or not, it's all. And if you get off the kind of the main road into the back roads, as you kind of stumble through um, whatever shows up or however deep you go, you know, whether it's meditation, plant medicines, you know, whatever, however you try to whatever vehicle you use to kind of reconstruct, really, it's what it is, to remember to have um, enormous compassion for yourself. I think that's really key. There were always moments of incredible fear and terror as you confront stuff that, you know, is... Um, really unbelievable and difficult to, to face. I think um, the most difficult is the emotional uh, seeing uh, because most of the thinking, if you have had trauma, is around thinking it out of existence or building a story or, you know, I've had many conversations with lots of friends who, you know, talking about the what happened in sort of like a third person situation. So it's easy to sort of um, speak about it and without any really deep emotional reference, you know. It's almost like the jockeying for whose trauma is worse, right? But um, in the end, the thinking just saves, you know, ser serves as a framework for and really a shield for really feeling what happened. And it has to kind of pour from you, you know, it has to kind of break down the gates of thinking and come out of you as is. Um, for me, the emotions that were, well, most of my emotions were completely shut down. I mean, I had to, I basically shut everything down to ensure that um, I would survive, I wouldn't feel anything, and I could take on this kind of obscene way of living, um, which was completely hostile to life. Um, and so, you know, first of all, the emotion of love, which I had felt in, you know, very small scratches, really, but really had encountered true, the kind of the great mothering of this plant medicine that was tremendous. I had never felt, I suppose for the first time I felt what it was like to be with a mother, like a really caring, loving mother where I felt safe. And um, so that was, with the plant medicines, uh, the ayahuasca, a, a tremendous, I mean I can't, there are no words or to describe the relief of feeling that for the first time, 
And the grief of the recognition of not having had a mother, that was equally as difficult. Um, also, the, the rage, the absolutely bucolic rage I felt. And again, these were all feelings that were deeply... So first of all, I'd never felt... I'd felt love for another person, but not that divine motherly love, which I think is attainable here if, if you have you know, a really amazing parent, right? Um, or someone who's not themselves damaged, let's put it that way. Um, so that was tremendous. And then again, the rage was equally as um, powerful. And just sadness, like real sadness, you know, not like, I mean, really deep soul sadness. I mean, I've never really, I had no access to any of this because as a child, if you're traumatized, you can't, and you, you're, you know, you're living in a precarious, volatile, unsafe situation, which could on the surface seem pretty normal, like, oh, they go to work and you go to school, but all of that is just veneer. The truth is, you know, are you safe? Can you... Um, is there, is there a place for you to empty out your emotions, you know? Is there someone that's going to receive you exactly for who you are? Whether you're feeling sad or happy, angry, because it's natural that children, like adults, are going to feel all of this stuff. And, you know, they re you, re as a child, require a space to release and to um, find safety in being exactly who you are, if you're scared, if you're not, you know, whatever, right? And um, it's absolutely, and that's the only way we can grow. If I can, if you as a child can, you know, get nurtured and find, you know, the embrace of a, a caring, wonderful mother and the wise words of a you know caring father, etc. All that stuff, you 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 blossom. So you're not holding back, you're not pretzeling up, you're not you know doing in-law triage, or you're sticking shit under you know a rock somewhere or a bed. You're you're you know the full flavor of your being is being released, the full perfume, right? And and it's being and and when it arrives, whatever that is it's met with love and it's met with acceptance and it's met with, you know, wisdom, right? And an understanding and it's not, you know, for, in my situation, it was like if there was any emotion, then they, you know, they took it upon themselves to make it about them. Whereas a caring parent says, you know, you know, can see you as a separate person to them and their emotions are separate to what's going on with you, right? Um, so if you don't have that huge cushion, that safety, that um, acceptance, then you are shoving things down and you are refusing yourself and refusing the entirety of your 
magnificent divinity. You're, you know, uh, you're being told you're wrong. You know, if, and as a child, if, you know, that feeling is wrong, that look is wrong, you know, um, whatever. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it, trauma uh, changes you entirely. It changes your whole energetic field, changes everything you see about the world, right? If you are living in this acceptance of who you are, not as a container for somebody else's poison or their unfinished trauma or, you know, you're a canvas for them to just basically splatter you with their own stuff. And there's no way that you are, you know, surrendering into that space because they don't see you. You've, you become a vehicle and a container and an extension of their unfinished stuff, trauma. And it's like being caught, you know, like a, a fish at sea being caught by a net. Well, now you're a fish, you're, const you're in the net, and all you're doing is, is like, you know, fighting for breath, right? You can't get out. You're always negotiating with their trauma, right? So that's what they've made you do. If, if I splatter all my trauma on my child like, you know, mud of a wheel, right, onto the sidewalk of someone, if I'm doing that constantly, that my son, my daughter, has no way of, you know, blossoming who they are because now they have to negotiate life in relationship to my dysfunction, to all my stuff. And that really is basically the death of them because for the rest of their life, they're going to try to figure out how to get out of the prison of my stuff that I've splattered them with because they want to be close to me because they're my children, right? So the child wants to be close to its parents. It wants to be connected to its parents. But if the parent, you know, makes it the child into a container of their stuff, the child is, will never be in the world. They will never get into the game because all they're doing is negotiating and trying to fix or, you know, the issues that have come down from their parents, as opposed to, you know, finding this um, landscape, or this garden, in which, you know, they're, they're able to, you know, spread their wings and grow, you know, like a wild plant, right? It can go here, it can go there. So, You know, access, uh, you know, we, we, are, we are emotional, physical, thinking beings, and we are one unit. We are not a thinking thing and then a physical thing. It's, it's one moving unit of energy. And if any of that unit is stifled or refused, then uh, all of it is affected. And... Um, the smallness happens throughout. It's not just in one place. If I'm blinkered in one place, I'm going to be blinkered all over my system in that one place. Um, so 
access to your entire energetic landscape um, is really the name of the game. And, you know, in order to be able to, you know, survive trauma, well, we fragment, you know, we become, I became delusional about this person I had built, you know, this, you know, pretend um, know-it-all, you know, striding through the world, you know, crossing continents. It, it, del it illusory, delusional um, grandeur <clears throat> that came from having to satisfy sort of a tyrannical situation, right, and satisfy someone's, my own father's unfinished low self-esteem, etc., and his own tyrannical way of responding to that, right? So this is sort of passed on through generations. And, you know, whilst I'm marching across the world in this kind of, kind of Thanksgiving Macy's Day Parade balloon, I'm blown up. I'm actually completely empty. I'm completely shut down. I'm completely terrified. But on the surface, you know, <clears throat> I become this Herculean um, creature with lots of momentum, um, marching for the sake of marching, for the sake of it not being terrified and fulfilling, you know, the orders of the tyrant. <coughs> that is an impossible, eventually, you know, it's going to implode, which it did. Um, and so there are many strategies that develop because of, you know, trauma, because of not being loved, because of having to hide 10 zillion emotions or not feel at all, whatever your strategy. Um, so it doesn't mean, I remember somebody said to me, you know, it was quite quiet. I didn't appear to be egotistical, let's put it that way because they were quiet. And he said to me, you know, I have no ego. And I was like, you have the biggest ego I know. Because it wasn't, just because it's not, you know, loud and strident and marching across continents, doesn't mean that it's, it's not powerful. His was quiet, but, you know, very targeted, and very angry. And just, you know, it was like this kind of powerhouse of kind of bitterness and fury, which was very well masked. But it was an ego, it was huge. And in itself, it was its own tyrannical sort of being. Although on the surface, it was very quiet. So we have to be wary of how we see our, our egos, because in a way, they are delusional, because they're not really connected to, if, you have, if you've had trauma, I mean, an, an ego can be a very powerful thing if, it's, if it knows itself, it's, a, it's aware of what it's doing. If it's aware, I mean, it's, it's a form of armor, right? It's a form of survival. So <clears throat> from a healthy place, it's, you know, it has a, has a place, it, it, it works. But if it's been built out of, you know, the broken shards of trauma, <clears throat> it's a very unstable thing. <clears throat> And it's in charge, and it's, it's fueled um, by something else, not you. And but, oh, for the most part, it's usually about not dealing with um, 
the terror. It, it's, in a, it's, in, it's like, you know, the airbag in a car. It, it blows up immediately in response to something it can't deal with. So if we let that sort of, again, you, you don't, you know, I, did, I had no idea that this was who I was um, until, you know, it all came crashing down. So, you know, it, it's important just to see, like, well, what, you know, what's going on? I think one of the things about, and I was listening to somebody who was talking about this yesterday, the thing about meditation, and again, I had no clue, is that meditation, really, if you're doing meditation, I did Zen meditation where you just face the wall, and little by little, I was able to sit still and really see thoughts that were coming up. I could never see them before because they were just, you know, they were, they were the rudder. They were just moving me all day, every day. I never actually got to see them. And in meditation, if you, Zen was, again, the thing that I did, if you sit, face the wall, and you're silent, um, and it doesn't matter whatever they call it, but anyway, there's this growing awareness that happens. And again, it's like you begin to leave, you know, this kind of buzzing, imagine like this sort of moving 20 million bees and you're in it, right? You don't, you're just buzzing with all the other bees. And in meditation, you actually begin to leave this whole hum drum of bees and you begin to see it from the outside. It gives you perspective. So what's really interesting is that the meditation gave me, I kind of left, you know, the whole buzzing. The, the, so the thoughts which had been bombarding me daily and my whole life, suddenly I could begin to sort of emerge from them and begin to see what they were and how they were happening. So it gave me perspective. So I moved away from Mother Earth, so to speak, right? And then what was really interesting is that after I had this very big Kundalini shift, energetic shift, when I did ayahuasca, it took me deeper and allowed me even more to, to get more perspective. So I was literally being, they burrowed down. So the meditation like burrowed down into the first level of my psyche and my energetic field. And there was a shift and a break. And then the ayahuasca burrowed down even deeper and showed me more. And so I was able to get perspective even you know, bigger perspective of what had happened. So again, I had no clue because it was, again, I think of an omelet or something that you're cooking. I was just, if you've been traumatized and you authorize the trauma because you really have no choice and you, you know, refuse, what I did was, you know, or I don't know if this is a, a, a unilateral thing, but I'm human and you're human, so I assume a similarity can happen, was that, you know, I refused, they, they refused me and then I refused myself and then I built them within me so that I was always authorizing them and refusing myself and I couldn't really challenge them because I literally had rebuilt them within me. So, so I was literally, so you know, it's like you're not a human being or a separate soul, you're just an ingredient thrown in you know, and cooked into all their stuff to your parents, if that, whoever it is that was involved in your trauma. So if you're just an ingredient inside, you know, a quiche Lorraine, and you're just a bit of cheese or broccoli, um, 
you're not separate. You don't see yourself as separate from the from the food. You're just part of, you know, that dish. And what the ayahuasca does, it, it separates out all the components. So you can see how you got cooked into this particular dish and, you know, and what your response was. And so I had no idea because it was such a blackout early on to the trauma, to say the 100 foot wave, that I had literally just been cooked into the whole thing. I had discarded my soul or who I was. I had, they had replanted themselves in my system. Now I had my, I had them within me just to reinforce my own abandonment, right? So they abandoned me. I agreed that it was fine to be abandoned. And then I replicated them in me and further abandoned myself so that if I ever came up, if I ever, if I would just do it to myself, I would literally just cancel myself out. So that's what happened when I authorized and I agreed to them. And again, as a child, you don't have any choices. You're not negotiating. You're not bringing in big lawyers to help you, you know, determine what's going on or, um, you know, you're just responding. So, so just have compassion for all of it because it's, remember, it's happening very fast when you're very little. Your responses are very fast. Your survival mechanism is just let's get through this and you're doing whatever it takes to survive, right? So if somebody says, you know, this, you're going to do this, right? You're a little baby. You're a little toddler. And with me, it was just literally I was scooped up, you know, and thrown into the dish, made a part of them so that all of my, whoever I was, was just, just canceled out. And then, you know, the two elements, first of all, there was a the universe just saying, chucking me off a cliff, you know, where I, you know, I lost everything, etc. Then there was meditation. So that was just like the first hit was like, okay, it was never going to work because I was never there, right? You can't sustain falsehood. Um, only so much. And eventually you're going to crash and hit the wall. And then meditation was the first kind of burrowing again. And, and ayahuasca was like deeply the removal of every ingredient from that dish so that I could fully see what had happened you know, in images, in holograms, in, I mean, the whole consciousness was opened up, you know, your whole, because if you are uh, abused, it gets very small, very tight, and very protective. So you're just going around in circles, you know, and, you're, and everything is on the outside. So you're blaming the world and this and that. And you are, you know, one of the most difficult things and the most, for me, was actually seeing that I was actually making everything happen. So if you're, if you're in it and you can't see it, you think the world is coming at you, right? That the world is, which I think essentially at the beginning, <clears throat> it sort of is because you're tiny and powerless. So really, yes, the world is coming at you and you are being captured and kidnapped and thrown into the spin-dry cycle of somebody else's shit, right? Or become the container, you know, or the canvas so they can, you know, splatter you with all their crap. Right? So, yes, at that point you are. 
But actually later on, <clears throat> when you wake up from this, whether it's through meditation, again, plant medicines, whatever it is that you do, um, you begin to see that because of that initial hit, because of that initial scrabble and scramble and just trying to make you survive, your, whatever energies that you used or to make it work, you're gonna, then you're just, it's a code, like it's, you're set as a code and you'll repeat that. So eventually you become the manifester of the same things that you were built into. I hope that makes sense. In other words, if you, whoever your parents are, whatever the, the relationships were, whatever the threading was with them, that kind of, kind of gets set and then you kind of replicate. So you will find the same broken people, you will blame the world, you will, you know, manifest um, the same conditions. It's all, you become like this energetic gravitational pull of the same conditions, if that makes any sense. So you never leave them, that's what I'm saying. You never break the code. If you, so I became, you know, the caretaker, the one that had to succeed, the, all the missionary, the one that was save them, all of that. And I just, you know, kept attracting the same situations with people, right? I attract the same people. My energy would, yeah, I've just manifest, you know, relentless prisons, basically. So I would never leave because all I knew was that situation, right? So I built a self in response to that. So I was an outcome of that condition and therefore my ego could only function around these broken, you know, uh, people uh, and specifically like them, <clears throat> right? So... It's, it's, so really, you're, you're always at square one. You know, you're always at scene one, act one. You, even prologue, I would say. You never get beyond it because you're tied, you're imprisoned, you're locked in to them. So if you're getting locked in very early on, then it better be to someone, right, who's going to love you, who's going to let you grow. If not, if you're locked into trauma, then you're locked in. And then, you know, your way out will be distraction, addiction, um, you, will, you will try to, you know, ram down that door, but you can't because you're fully locked into them. And they're your parents and no one ever throws their parents. Right? It's very difficult to betray them. So this act is a really huge, this act of leaving, of seeing. So first of all, the act is of seeing what actually happened. Seeing them, because it's another thing about the child, is that they coat their parents in different, you know, costumes. They will, they will never make them bad. They will always try to reinvent them or make them work so they can still be the same character in the same scene. And with meditation, now you ask what it does, it pulls apart the whole thing, right? So you get perspective on yourself, on them, on the truth of what actually happened. So I had no idea that I was taken out to be sexually abused for money at all. I had no idea I was neglected or abandoned at all. You know, I, <clears throat> on the surface, everything seemed perfect, you know, 
expensive boarding school, uh, private schools and, you know, education in New London, New York. Everything seemed on the surface to be perfectly normal. <clears throat> and that was a huge cover for the horror that kind of lay within. So, um, you know, I had followed, I had done their task, right? But I had no idea, you know, I was just completely disconnected from myself. And I'd taken on, you know, um, all of that kind of, you know, uh, poison, so to speak. So there's a lot to disentangle, remember, because as a child, you're barely conscious and you're moving very fast and you're adapting very fast and you're coding up very fast and you're coding up with these two people. Not 10 people, not 50 people, these two people. They are going to determine whether your life is heaven or hell, whether you're in prison or, you know, you have access to the full landscape of the universe and of yourself. And um, that's pretty powerful. Um, it really is jostling at the gate. You either get into the party or you don't, or you spend the rest of your life chasing your tail you know, always acquiescing to them and refusing to grow because <clears throat> they've made you an extension of their own prison. And I don't say that, you know, it's just the way it is. It's not like a judgment thing. It's just, you know, if if you're limited, and I don't mean limited, listen, you know, I don't mean you're not inventing the next cure for cancer. I'm just saying, if you emotionally take your children hostage, if you use them, as your emotional, you know, um, pit stop. If I engage my, my children as, you know, backup for my own emotional issues, then I have taken my children hostage. Right? Now they have to contend with my unfinished emotional shit, which means that I have basically blocked out them. Children are not here to satisfy parents' unfinished emotional business. They are here to be loved and grown for who they are. It doesn't mean that you know parents don't get pissed off and you don't have emotions. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when it's a consistent, when you know there's such a huge vacuum in a parent that you become the thing that fills that vacuum. You're slotted in. You have nowhere to go. You cannot grow. Not only can you not grow, but then you're negotiating their issues and they become your issues. So if my mother has self-esteem issues and she's always focused on me to try to resolve them for her, you don't think I'm going to have self-esteem issues? That theme isn't going to become a constant in my own code? It will be. Although there's nothing wrong with me, actually, or with her, or with anyone. But these, this is how co, you know, these things get passed on. So therefore, instead of me you know, doing whatever it is, or you, or anyone, I'm not you know, just specific because I'm talking about me in this instance, you, know, you can't go and climb the Himalayas or you know, scale Mount Everest, or whatever. Or go, you know, find... Uh, you know, track sharks and Australia, whatever it is 
that the, poss the possibilities are completely limited because now I can't, I'm too scared because I've got this parent who has self-esteem issues and if she dies, I die. So now I have to take her issues on whether I like it or not because now it's become a survival issue. Right, little child remembers a little thing. They're seeing the world from a very little, little limited place and they need to survive. So if this huge adult's coming at them and they're saying, oh, panic, 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 then the child's going to go, oh, my God, I need to resolve that panic because she's going to die, and if she dies, I don't live. And now this child's whole life is, I've got to resolve her panic. It's not for the child to resolve the panic. Because immediately you've blanketed them. Now it's now their whole life, code one, that's it. So life is difficult enough as it is. We shouldn't riddle our children with our own stuff. Or try not to. I'm not saying there's no should or would or could. I'm just saying the effects of that are huge on children. And, I mean, you see all the time people coming out with things that happened to them, that blah, 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 you know. So, the difficulty is to accept who you are, right? The difficulty is to accept, is to disentangle yourself from them, I suppose. That's really it. First of all, you don't know. Perhaps you do know, if your trauma is, is clearer. Uh, the, th the second thing is to disentangle that connection with them. It's an, elect it's an electrified field, really. And it, that's a huge, apart from seeing all the stuff, the awful stuff that happened, that's a very big, that needs to be disconnected. And, you know, that's usually um, connected to massive emotions that have been kept at bay because you don't want to feel what you feel towards your parents. You don't want to feel anger and rage. and Right, because a child knows if it feels that, you know, its parents won't feed it, it'll die. So it, it'll continue to hide, hide the emotions, it will continue to live in that prison, right? So the difficult, it's quite, you know, it's a big thing to just disengage, to let those feelings come out. Because usually they're, as a child, they're uncontrolled, but even as an adult, they're very difficult. And then to get true perspective and to grow out of the trauma, so because Trauma is something that you're inflicted. It's if it's a if it's a child, it's inflicted upon you at the place at where you're growing, so it, be, it sort of gets mixed in. You know, like um, again pastry or whatever, or the filling of a pie, it all gets mixed in. And so I, you know, I was all baked in with them, so I had no idea. So I had to be kind of unbaked, and so that's what happens. You're going to get. This is a kind of it's, it's about extricating yourself from that energetic um, pie, extricating yourself from that, you know, toxic waste dump. It really is a, a rotor-rooter job. Anyway, good luck and, uh, you know, have compassion because it's a, it's, it's a, it's a journey and it's a task. And, um, you know, whatever time it takes, as I say, this century, next century, 5,000 years from now, who knows? 
but it's it's a worthy uh, a worthy journey because it really is the return and the reconnection to yourself. And again, no one can do it for you. You have to be your own crusader. All right, bye.